Are we ready? We're turning to John's Gospel, chapter 20. John's Gospel, chapter 20. We consider the resurrection of the Lord Jesus as pictured by the prophet Jonah in the action of Jonah being in the fish's belly for three days and three nights and then exiting, resurrected as it were, to go and preach to the nations as Jesus was raised and through his apostles, through his church, he continues his prophetic ministry in preaching to the nations. Well, the Bible does not just give us the account of his resurrection, but as a great proof of his resurrection that he walked in his resurrected body on the earth for how many days? For four decades. Or four, four, uh, what am I trying to say? Four, um, not decades, that's, that's years. Uh, what do we call ten, ten days? Uh, Forty days, we'll just put it that way. And uh, so we, we do know at least one other day than Sunday that Jesus did something. We, we all understand that it's called Ascension Thursday. And most likely that's so. Forty days after his resurrection would be Thursday. Well, just like to read the first one of one account of his post resurrection ministry and it's recorded in John chapter twenty. We'll commence at verse eleven. But Mary stood without that is Mary Magdalene stood without outside at the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. <laughs> she sure is, is uh, confident in her strength. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, or literally, Stop touching me, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. In other words, there's not something superstitious here about touching his glorified body with an unglorified finger, but the idea is 
you can't depend on my physical presence anymore. Uh, you've got to learn that my, my worldwide ministry is going to be achieved from heaven and not by walking one place at a time on the earth. That's the, the idea. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed them unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And later it tells us, that he showed them his hands and his feet as well. Well, this afternoon I'd like us to focus on the 40 days after the resurrection or the post-resurrection ministry of Jesus and just look at some thoughts for observation In the Bible are recorded Jesus' birth, His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension, and His post-ascension ministry from heaven. But the Bible gives us a significant amount of evidence of His post-resurrection appearances, some 40 days, which verifies the fact of His resurrection and encourages us that there is indeed life beyond the grave. The first thought, and I'd like to take these somewhat chronologically in the Bible, but earth cannot be silent. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 1, the Bible says a great earthquake appeared. It's as if the earth itself was so eager to praise the Lord for such an event. Remember when Jesus said, when the children were praising him and the Pharisees told him to, as it were, shut them up? And Jesus said, the rocks would cry out if they did not praise me. Here we have the rocks crying out. The earth that he made is rejoicing at this great earthquake that took place. They had felt an earthquake a few days before, remember. When Jesus died and the veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom and not without purpose, that God was vindicated, God was propitiated, satisfied before man could ever be saved from top to bottom. Well, now the earth quakes greatly, we're told. And Jesus loved to employ the angels We have the angels singing at his birth. We have angels uh, climbing, ascending and descending upon the Son of Man throughout his life, doing his bidding. And we have the angels strengthening him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And now they're so excited, are they not, to minister. I don't know if this is true, but uh, probably not, but if 
I can, all, I can imagine though the angels all in one room and someone saying, how many of you would like to roll the stone away? <laughs> oh, me, me. And all the hands going up, you know, in our classroom. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, and this angel is just, to me it's so, I, you can't help but have a smile on your face. The Bible says an angel came and rolled back the stone. And the thing that really gets me is that he sat upon it. <laughs> it's like David standing upon the giant after he felled him. I mean, it just felt good to stand on top of Goliath. I suppose that hunters know a little bit what it's like to drop a, a, a huge buck and then kind of, you know, setting your gun on top of it or, or just having your hand on top of it or just holding it. Um, I remember a hunter not far from us got a huge buck and I heard about it from another hunter who texted me and I said, can I come up and see it? And I remember just the huge horns and taking the horns and just kind of going like this and saying, wow, this is a deer of a lifetime. And uh, just, the, just the, the thrill and the pride of this angel to be able to roll it. Now, Jesus could have rolled it away himself. But again, he likes to delegate, doesn't he? And he delegated this angel to do so. But it's just, it's just some, some features that are easy to, not, to just pass over and miss, but that this angel was, was uh, not letting Jesus out, was he? This angel was letting us in to see the empty tomb. As we know, Jesus did not have to knock on a door to have it open or to go through. He didn't have to go through a doorway. He could go through a door. There's something interesting about the dimension of the, the next life. Some of you are risky in this life. You won't have to worry about it in the next life. But I can't go through a door in this life unless we get hurt. You can knock it down with a certain instrument. And the next thought is ladies first. Isn't it interesting? Of all the people that Jesus could have revealed himself first of all to, the ladies were first. And we know from Luke chapter 24 that Mary Magdalene was the first to see the resurrected Savior. And I read that passage to us. Uh, isn't it interesting that she thought he was the gardener? And where did the first Adam appear? In a garden. And the, the last Adam appears in a garden. And um, Mary is there to see. Uh, which tells me, by the way, there was no halo over Jesus' head. There was nothing spectacular or else she would not have thought he was a gardener. Uh, it just shows now John obviously saw a vision of what is true about Christ as recorded in Revelation chapter 1. His eyes is a flame of fire and his voice is the sound of many waters and his countenance is the sun shining in its strength. But we're also told that Jesus met some women as they were leaving the tomb and he said, All hail. And I love that statement. The word means rejoice. I mean, I can just, can you not see Jesus saying yes to these women as they're running back to tell the disciples? All hail seems, seems, doesn't give the import. Rejoice! Uh, 
um, he's saying, he's saying, yes, it's over with, it's done. Ladies first. That's a rare thing today, isn't it? I say the next por- portion is he was in no hurry. How do we know he wasn't in a hurry? You know, I suppose if, if it was me, I want to get out of there as fast as I can and run and tell everybody about it. And I wouldn't probably want to make my bed in that case. Now, believe it or not, and I hope, well, I know my wife wonders sometimes, but I do make my bed every day. Uh, it's not the happiest thing to do when you're really tired, but, and I learned to do it right away before I even get out of bed. Well, I have to get out of bed to make it, but if I don't do it then, then I really drag my feet. So I, you know, I'm still in bed when I'm bringing the sheets up and, and, uh, and I get out and finally most of it is made, but, um, and in a real sense, he didn't need to make his bed, although I suppose Joseph would have had to take the clothes out, and I suppose he's the one that ended up uh, taking out the laundry, so to speak. But I don't think he laundered it, I, I, and I don't think he sold it for relics either. But um, what a privilege it must have been. He got to see what Peter and John got to see. But what does it show you? I think... Even between the lines, God does things decently in order, and he he um, he folded his linen clothes and his head napkin, as you know from from chapter eleven in Lazarus that they would put a a head cloth over their face, uh, and that's the case today in these body bags as we're seeing in in Ukraine just. Of, it's just respectful to do so, but Jesus puts the head cloth in one spot and, and the rest of the clothes in another and just teaching that he wasn't in any hurry to get out. Just amazing his poise, isn't it? And that's found, by the way, in John chapter 20, verses 6 and 7. Another thought is, may I join you? Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 13, also recorded briefly in Mark 16, verse 12, is that Cleopas and his companion, whether it be a brother in the Lord or his wife, the second person is not named, were on their way to a little village called Emmaus, not too far from Jerusalem, and they were really dejected. And all of a sudden, someone joins them. Um, and starts to walk with them. And they knew not that it was Jesus. Now their eyes were holden, not because they would have immediately recognized Him because of some, again, spectacular thing about it. It's just that they would have recognized Him because they had seen Him before. And the Bible says their eyes were holden, and, and He conversed with them until they got home. And As far as we can tell, Jesus only visited one house, one home. And it was Cleopas and perhaps his wife's home. Can you imagine, for all eternity, you can say, Jesus visited my home. Now, I know Lazarus. I know Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. You have that privilege that nobody else had as much as you did. But I'm the only one that got to entertain Jesus 
after his resurrection in our home. What a privilege again. He just and I know it's not something necessarily that it's not like a, a relic idea, but it's it's still a privilege. Just like for all eternity, I don't think I'm gonna be able to look at Mary and and not think that's the one that bore the Messiah. We're not going to be able to forget those things. A new womb, indeed. A different dimension. Luke 24, verse 36 says, As they thus spoke, Jesus Himself stood in the midst. There was a no-knock entry. You know, some policemen have no-knock entries. They just barge the door down. Well, Jesus didn't have to barge the door down. From what we can tell, He just simply walked through. There's just some a new dimension in our glorified bodies. And I don't know if that we'll be able to do that. Sir, it would be nice to not have to open doors or, or have any obstructions. But Jesus apparently did not have to go through the normal um, exercises that you and I do, the means to the end. But it's just a special thing. It must, but of course, it was terrifying. It says that they were, they were afraid. I think wouldn't you be if someone just appeared in your house and you didn't hear that they were coming? Maybe you've had that happen before, where somebody just walked in, you didn't hear the squeak of the door, or there was no knock. Maybe they knocked, and you didn't hear it, and all of a sudden they're there. Now that's usually a home invasion that terrifies someone. But here was a. Here was an upper room invasion, but it was no invasion. It was the appearance of the Savior. I call the next section an exclusive club. As far as we can tell, there was no unbeliever that that Jesus appeared to in those 40 days. Someone said, what about Saul of Tarsus? Well, that was after the 40 days, but he was also converted by the appearance of Christ from heaven. I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Jesus appeared to him to convert him. But I think that's a very, a very note, a very maybe even an anonymous notation that no unbeliever was able to see the resurrected Christ. Not because he was trying to hide any evidence or, or, or hide anything, but because they weren't privileged. They weren't worthy as it were he did appear to several by themselves Mary and Peter and Paul there were some one on ones there were a few there were many that were given that privilege the Bible tells us next that there were plenty of witnesses we know the eleven saw him but in particular we're told by the Apostle Paul and we don't know if this was at the Mount of Trans or the Mount of uh, where he was ascended. Probably not, because we think he was ascended from um, the Mount of Olives. But uh, in Galilee, we're told that he was on a mountain, giving them the, the Great Commission. And we're told in First Corinthians 15 that 500 brethren at once saw him. So. Think about the different numbers. There were ones, there were twos, there were several. There was 11. There was 500. So you just have all the variety to show that this was not some kind of hocus-pocus that the writers 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are convey, converging and saying, let's just, let's just make this a variety of, of, uh, uh, of witnesses and a variety of places. There's no conspiracy uh, by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to prove or to teach that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. This is biblical evidence in real time, space, and history of Jesus being raised from the dead. Will we eat in heaven? Well, we're told that Jesus ate after he was raised from the dead. He ate broiled fish, and I'm not going to go there whether we should have broiled or, or uh, what's the other one? Uh, what's that? Right, fried. Now, I have to confess that I have been trying to get broiled chicken at Chick-fil-A. It's probably better than, than their chicks, chicken strips. But I don't think that's the idea here. I don't even know if they had fried foods. I suppose they did. They had oil. oil. But he ate fish, and he ate from a honeycomb. And he probably drank water or, or uh, wine. But we're also told he made bread as well as fish on that morning in between the two first Lord's days for his disciples after they had been fishing all night and, and caught nothing. You know, I have to confess that the fish is not a favorite that I think about in the morning. I don't know if I've ever myself made myself fish in the morning. Maybe you have. But I, but I know, I do remember if we have been fishing early in the morning or even late at night that we don't mind having, a, having fish when you're hungry. I suppose you'll eat almost anything, but that was a staple food for them. Um, Fish is good for us, but um, perhaps he also ate bread. So we have two or three foods that Jesus ate after he was raised from the dead. I think we will eat in the new heavens and the new earth. There There are going to be plants, there are going to be fruits, as the Bible teaches. And that's just an interesting statement. And and people ask so many questions. Will our glorified bodies have digestive systems? Will they have um, blood systems, whatever, what's that called? Uh, will, uh, circular systems. Will they have uh, sewer systems and all these things? And I can't, I can't give these answers. But I can at least say that we'll, we'll be eating in the new heavens and the new earth. And Jesus Prove to them that it was a real body by, by these features of eating and showing his, his uh, trophies. My next thought, why would Jesus keep his wounds? Now you've heard others say, well, after he ascended to heaven, the wounds disappeared and left the scene, but I don't think so. I think if they were there, in his body as he was showing them to his disciples that they're going to be there forever. Now, why, would keep, why would he keep those wounds? We've heard Spurgeon, maybe he heard it from someone else. They are his, wound, they are his, his trophies. He showed them his hands and his feet, Luke 24, verse 40. I don't think they're temporary. They were temporary. Won't that be so precious to see the 
holes in his hands, in his feet, in his side to remind us forever. He wants us to remember his his death, his body and blood by the, the elements at the Lord's table. Those are temporary. But I don't think that his wounds are temporary. They are for us to remember, to recollect, to inspire our gratitude forever and ever. Indeed, it was a bodily resurrection, despite what the liberals say. He showed them his hands, his feet, and he spoke to them from his mouth. Jesus rose bodily from the dead, and that's a critical doctrine. The Docetists did not believe that God could take a physical body, literally. That it was a a seeming body from the word Docetism. No, a real body was given to the Lord Jesus. A body hast thou prepared for me. And it's the very same Jesus that rose from the dead. Luke 24, verse 39 says, It is I, myself. He used that personal pronoun as well. I, myself. It's the very same Jesus crucified by men that rose from the dead. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Real space, time, and history. You can't help but think of of the variety of places that Jesus appeared in those 40 days. He was inside. He was outside. He was with one, a few, and with many. He was in Jerusalem, outside the tomb, inside the upper room. Well, you say, well, isn't the tomb outside Jerusalem? Well, it was, it was near Jerusalem. But he was inside, or outside the tomb, inside in the upper room in Jerusalem. He was on a road to Emmaus and from the tomb to Jerusalem proper. He was in the Emmaus village and in a house in that little village. Jesus was on a seashore. He was on top of a mountain. He was in Galilee as well as in Judea. And Jesus, last of all, appeared from heaven to the Apostle Paul as recorded in Acts chapter 9. And may I end with this special thought Jesus initiated the Lord's day when he rose from the dead. He appeared in the morning, he appeared in the afternoon, and he appeared in the evening on that first day of the week. Of course, in the morning, outside the tomb, in the afternoon, it says that same day, he joined those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And at evening he appeared again as the disciples were within and had locked the doors. And he appears the very next Sunday, John 20, 26, after eight days he appears again. Remember when he revealed himself to Thomas. And the idea of after eight days is, a, is an inclusive method of reckoning. It includes the Sunday, the first Sunday, as well as It ends with the last Sunday. So uh, there aren't any reputable 
commentators that will say that Jesus appeared on Monday when it says after eight days. They believe that he appeared on the very next. And the point of the matter is that Jesus is making it clear that he's going to especially meet his people on the day that he rose from the dead. And that is a, a, a strong inference as well as many references to the fact that the Sabbath had been on the seventh day of the week from creation to the resurrection of Christ on Saturday, but from the resurrection of Christ to the end of the world. It now is on the first of the seven. On Sunday, or called the Lord's Day, in Revelation 1, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I don't know how many times I've heard people say every day is the Lord's Day, and they'll even try to use Psalm 118. And I'm not saying it isn't applicable. This is the day that the Lord hath made. But if you go to Psalm 118, that is a prophecy of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For it occurs right after the stone which the builders uh, used has, has, has been rejected, has become the cornerstone. This is the day that the Lord hath made. What day? The day that was just described. The event of the stone that had been rejected. When did it become the cornerstone? was proven as the stone that would hold up the foundation of the church. Well, when he rose from the dead. And in particular, it's referring to the resurrection day. And he makes it clear by how many times and throughout the day he met that first Sunday, that first resurrection day, and then when he met with them as they, uh, as they had gotten together. And I suppose they were anticipating his return to them on that day. And of course we know that the book of Acts shows us the disciples beginning to uh, meet for worship on the first day of the week. For instance, in Acts chapter 20, Paul waited a few days to depart because he wanted to wait until the worship day, the first day of the week, to break bread and preach. And then he departed on the early Monday morning. And we have a host of other verses that indicate not only that the Sabbath continues, but that it has changed, though it is not uh, altered the fourth commandment. The fourth commandment has a built-in um, understanding that it's one in seven, and not it's not uh, in in stone, as it were. That it's only Saturday. Oh, the command is in stone, but it's built in that it can. It's one in seven, and. Uh, it was indeed one in seven on Saturday for 4,000 years, and it's still one in seven, but on Sunday until the end of the world, as our forefathers have indicated in so many of our confessions and catechisms. What a wonderful uh, memorial to leave behind that Jesus left the New Testament Sabbath behind when he rose from the dead and as He ascended to heaven. What a Savior we have. He is indeed risen from the dead. And on that Thursday, the 40th day after His resurrection, He ascended to heaven. 
And many call that the coronation day. He went through the gates that opened Psalm 29 and Psalm 24. I'm sorry, Psalm 24. The gates were open. He went in. The King of Glory went in and sat down. And as it were, was crowned. Oh, He is the King, but His coronation day was His ascension day. And so often we bypass that thought. The ascension of Christ is an important aspect of the Gospel, as well as the burial of Christ that we consider this morning. We are right to focus on His death, His life, His death, and His resurrection. But if we don't also focus in on His burial and His ascension and His being at God's right hand, His session, we're not giving the full counsel of God. So as we rejoice in His resurrection, let us remember that He proved it by the 40 days on the earth, but He went to heaven. He ascended there as He said to Mary, don't touch me, don't keep me here. And that's why, by the way, if you notice in His resurrection appearances, He appeared and disappeared. He appeared and disappeared. He appeared and disappeared. What was He doing? He was getting them used to His disappearance. I must go, or the Spirit cannot come in the way that He's decreed to come. You can't depend on my bodily presence, because He could only be in one place every time, although He could work from a distance, save people, or heal people from a distance. He wanted to teach them that He's going to be a universal Christ. He's got to work from the right hand of God. And they have to not gawk at Him as He ascends into heaven, but get busy, as the angels told Him. And uh, although we're looking for Him to return, the Bible is, certainly teaches us, don't gawk and be waiting for His return with your, with your arms, uh, what do you call it, with, with our crossed. But get busy, stay busy preaching the Gospel. He'll come when He's ready. And He wants you and I to be ready by staying busy and being fruitful for His name's sake. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen.